lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Throwback Sports Jersey Week. We do that every summer here on the show. Well, at least the last couple of summers. Today, I'm decked out in my 1984 commemorative Kurt Gibson throwback batting practice jersey. Strong. You like it? I Strong. thought you might like this one. And, um, I mean, this is my all-time favorite Major League Baseball team. One of my all-time favorite teams. I was 10 years old. Uh, I mean, listening to every single game on the radio or on TV when I could get them, of course. And we had a, a couple of pretty good announcers calling Tiger games back in those days. Um, 9-0 and start, 21-4, and 35-5. and Never spent a day out of first place, wire to wire, lost only one postseason game, World Series champions. I think I still might even remember the starting lineup. Lou Whitaker at second base. I might base. remember the starting Alan Trammell batted second at short. Gibby batted third. Lance Parrish, the cleanup hitter, the catcher. Uh, batting fifth was Daryl Evans, the DH. Batting Let me sixth. take a shot, just so you know I'm for real. Okay. Was number six Larry Herndon? You're close. Okay. Okay. You're in the right, you're in the right six, area. Six, seven. All right. He's in the area. Uh, batting sixth was the center fielder, Chet, Chet Lemon. Lemon. Chet yep. Lemon was six. Batting seventh was Larry Herndon, uh, the left yeah. fielder. Okay. Uh, batting eighth, they had like a, it was Dave Bergman who played first base. I would not have gotten that one. And batting ninth was a platoon. They had um, uh, Marty Castillo and Tom Brookins. Wow. I just pulled that out, man. The nineteen eighty four Detroit Tigers. And then you got what? Uh, Jack Morris, um, Dan Petrie, Dan Petrie. Milt, Milt, Milt Wilcox. Milt Wilcox. Yep. Yes. So Morris won nineteen games that year and threw a no hitter. Um, let's see. They had six guys won the fan voting to start in the All Star game. I believe that year, five or six guys did. Uh, and then uh, Guillermo, don't call me Willie Hernandez, was the first pitcher to ever win a relief pitcher to ever win. MVP and Cy Young in the exact same season. So storybook season from my childhood. So I'm representing the 1984 Detroit Tigers here today with the throwback. in that day, and everybody at home was like, there's news, get to it, boys. But teams just had their year yeah you know they, it's we and then they the tigers didn't suddenly start sucking after no, they were that. the winningest team of the 80s that. actually yeah but you know but that, that was their was year it. yeah that was their year i think they actually set the record for most consecutive road wins that year too at some point in time as well so i mean that was just a magical season i was 10 years old i remember it like it was yesterday so all right i am steve dace that's totters and you've already heard his voice aaron mcintyre is here as well let us know what you think about what we think whether it's the 1984 detroit tigers or anything else trust me if you want news and data oh it it's coming your way Trust me on that, okay? Uh, so let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the show. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you want free clips of the show that you can sample without any censorship whatsoever, go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. If you want some good locally grown meat that uh, supports uh, local farmers, family farmers around the country. I finally have had a chance to sample. They, they sent me one of these Moink boxes a couple of weeks ago, and we've just been so busy, and it's been sitting in, in the freezer. Uh, and 
we've uh, tw- in the last two, few days, I've grilled up, or Amy's actually done it for me, grilled up some steaks that they sent, both their tender fillets and their bone-in ribeye. Absolutely, both were phenomenal. I mean, I, I mean, they were very, very good. Moink, founded by an eighth-generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank, um, they guarantee you're going to say, oink, oink, or something along those lines. Uh, but uh, they've got just about anything you're looking for. Grass-fed and finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, uh, direct-to-your-door ordering, helping family farms become financially independent outside of Big Ag. And if you want to join the Moink movement today, you can get your Moink box when you go to Moinkbox, M-O-I-N-K, moinkbox.com slash Steve right now. Uh, and find out how you could get one year of free bacon for a limited time. Go to moinkbox.com slash Steve right now. Find out how you can get free bacon for a year for a limited time when you go there and sample the rest of their menu as well. All right, coming up on the show today, of course, we're going to have typical Wednesday fair. Uh, we will have buy, sell, or hold beginning at the bottom of the hour. Uh, and the next hour, we will be joined by the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by debate erupts between trusted medical doctor and Dr. Fauci. Yes, fireworks erupted yesterday during a Senate hearing in which Senator Rand Paul once again grilled Dr. Anthony Fauci over his bureaucracy's documented funding of dangerous gain-of-function research in Wuhan, China. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain-of-function. The NIH definition of of gain-of-function, this is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. They took animal viruses that only occur in animals and they increased their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. And let's let Dr. Fauci. I have to, well, now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2. That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. It did I come can, from the lab, but all you, the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab, you, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I, those viruses are molecularly impossible no one's to result they are. No in SARS-CoV-2. Caused the pandemic. Paul, we're saying they are gain-of-function viruses because they were they're animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And you admit the truth. And you implying, Senator Paul, your time has expired, and I will allow witnesses right. who come before this committee to respond. And, and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual. I totally resent that. that. Have and if anybody is lying been. here, Senator, it is you. 
After that exchange, Senator Paul says he intends to send a letter to the Justice Department regarding a criminal referral focused on Dr. Fauci for lying in front of Congress. Lying to Congress is a crime punishable by up to five years in prison. I'll remind you the paper Senator Paul referenced is the same one attached in a panicked email from Dr. Anthony Fauci to one of his comrades at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Hugh Auchincloss, dated February 1st, 2020, where Fauci said, quote, Hugh, it's essential that we speak this morning. Keep your cell phone on. He goes on to say, read this paper as well as the email that I will forward to you now. You will have tasks today that must be done. The attachment in question was renamed Barrick She et al. Nature Medicine SARS Gain of Function PDF. Moving on, the CDC has updated its data on the number of deaths reported to VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. The CDC says VAERS has received 12,313 reports of death following but not necessarily caused by the COVID-19 vaccines. According to independent journalist Alex Berenson, this is twice the amount of deaths the CDC reported just last week. The cause for the uptick is unknown. Regardless, this new figure means the CDC has received more reports of death following COVID vaccination than all other vaccines combined in the 30-year history of theirs. A new study out of the Netherlands suggests those who have been vaccinated are the most likely to spread the COVID Delta variant. One study shows 85% of the people who tested positive for the variant were fully vaccinated. In completely unrelated news, the White House Communications Director, Kate Bedingfield, talked about the administration's ongoing attempts to censor vaccine information and curiously singles out one side of the political aisle. And certainly they should be held accountable. And I think you've heard the president speak very aggressively about this. He understands this is an important piece of the ecosystem. But it's also the other thing the president has pointed out and spoke to when he was asked about this yesterday is it's, it is also the responsibility of the people creating the content. And again, I would go back to, you know, there are conservative news outlets who are creating irresponsible content that's sharing misinformation about the, vi about the virus that's getting shared on these platforms. In other news, according to BuzzFeed, the FBI played a role in every facet of the alleged plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer last year, including using its informants and actors to encourage the plan and move it forward. Meanwhile, on the nation's southern border. Up oh, here you go. You, you, got, you got people coming in now. Take a look at this. A lot oh, of young go. adult men being let through now. So every person who was just let through is a uh, appears to be a single adult male. Brian, if we can turn around really quick. I don't know if they're all with the same group. Let me try to ask him really quick. Former Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos launched himself into space yesterday and lived to tell about it. I want to thank uh, every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer because you guys paid for all of this. <laughs> and finally, this tweet from Jesse Kelly, quote, wishing the very best to Bezos and the entire crew of the USS Kamala. <laughs> and that's what happened while we were away. I had uh, I'd not seen that one. Uh, Aaron's montage brought to you by Keeps. You know, especially after watching that, you got a few other reasons to be stressed out these days. Don't let uh, male pattern baldness and receding hairlines be one of them, especially when Keeps can help. That's K-E-E-P-S, by the way. Uh, they offer the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but you'll get to get the generic versions from Keeps, so you're going to save some money, big money, uh, maybe up to half off. And there's tons of convenience. Everything is done online, so that's really cool, and it's shipped directly to your door. So... Uh, it's easy, it's cheaper, and then how about it's even cheaper still? Half off your first order when you get just to get you started. 
another 50% off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow. Again, K-E-E-P-S for keeps.com slash grow. Half off your first order, up to 50% off for using the generic versions, and convenience with everything done online at keeps.com slash grow. Coming up in the overtime today, we're going to discuss whether or not it is time. You know, last summer we debated defund the police, and it was the other side that suggested this. We're going to discuss uh, and maybe debate. I don't know where everybody else stands on this, um, but uh, I think maybe our side needs to have a conversation about whether this summer we debate and discuss defund the FBI. And we will get into that today in the overtime. Uh, you can watch that if you're already a Blaze TV subscriber. Thank you for that. We will record the overtime exclusively for you right after today's show, and then it will be uploaded for you to watch at blazetv.com slash dace later. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you want to watch that and all the other exclusive content that we do for you each day here at Blaze TV, that's also where you can go right now. Subscribe right now and make sure you get a a discount by going to blazetv.com slash dace. And that's one way you'll also make sure you're not going to tune in one day on a podcast or a video platform that you're used to watching this for quote unquote free and then suddenly it's been censored and you can't get it anymore. All right, blazetv.com slash dace. There is a lot I need to get to uh, in response to Aaron's montage. First, I want to tell you, um, our CEO here at Blaze Media, Tyler Carden, and, and, and I need to probably apologize to his family. Uh, um, I, I have turned, uh, it, it's my fault. I have, there's red pilling someone and then there is when, when the Padawan becomes even more obsessive than the master. We're at the point now where the last few months, Tyler has been emailing and texting and calling me at night to show me stuff on COVID that I had not even gotten to yet. He has become a tad bit obsessive and I dig that about him. Okay. But last night he put through a a short Twitter thread that I have retweeted, you can get on my feed, at Steve Day Show, pointing out documentation that makes it pretty clear Anthony Fauci lied and committed perjury before the United States Congress. So that's our first point of order. If you want to get that, there's, there's just so much detail and stuff there. Aaron alluded to one aspect of it in his montage, but if you want to see more and want to connect more of those dots, I just retweeted it again right when Aaron was uh, talking about it during the montage. So if you go to my feed at Steve Day Show, you're going to see it near the top. Um, and, and you'll go through several steps there that Tyler walks you through, making it pretty clear that Anthony Fauci has committed perjury. So that, folks, that's the least of what he has done here. Run and tell that, okay? But hey, if all we can get Al Capone on is tax evasion, he can rot with syphilis and Alcatraz from that just the same. Amen? Talk to me. Yes, but he's, you know, they're, they're, he's guilty of far more here, as, as his shaking hands demonstrated when he was yeah. cornered yesterday. He is guilty of far more here than just perjury. Um, I want to get to the data that the, that the Netherlands, the, that uh, the Dutch have come up with on covid and COVID vaccinations in the Delta variant. Aaron, can you quickly just kind of repeat for us? I want to make sure I get it exactly correct. What was in there? Can you do that? Do you have that handy? Yeah, it's kind of secondary secondary um, reporting, but uh, the Dutch have come up with a few studies about uh, the Delta COVID variant 
and vaccinations. One study in particular, and I don't have all of the details on that, but one study in particular reported on 85% of those people studied who had contracted the Delta variant of COVID had been fully vaccinated. Mm. So just so you guys know, we used to work with Dutch data a lot, particularly until it was about this juncture last year when we had finally shamed Robert Redfield enough that our, C- our CDC started giving us data last summer. But in the early juncture of our skepticism about the narratives that we were being given from COVID stand, we relied on Dutch data quite a bit. They were the first country I know of in the Western world that fully stratified their COVID data uh, and then immediately reopened their schools thereafter. Of course, they did the the one at the time, there's been now other ones, but they did the first at the time, random control group study on the efficacy of masks. So, so the Dutch have been uh, they have been trendsetters here. That doesn't mean, by the way, that that you just take everything at face value forever, okay? But you also should take uh, some benefit of the doubt. Take it from someone who has probably looked at as much worldwide data on this issue and on this virus in the last year and a half than anybody that's not working at some think tank or media or actually I'm working at a media outlet. Academic outlet is what I meant to say. Uh, I, I've got to be on at least a really short list of people not working at one of those two institutions wouldn't you say that's yeah, fair? Yeah. And I'm just telling you, the Dutch have done as phenomenal of a job in being transparent and cutting edge with unveiling data as far as COVID is concerned as any country in the West has been. And that also goes part and parcel with a study that I tweeted about I want to share with you that came from Thailand. I tweeted about this yesterday afternoon, and it's a study that looks at the Chinese vaccination, what they call CoronaVac. It looks at Chinese vaccination efficacy, and there's two lines. It's up for peer review as we speak right now out of Thailand. Uh, Two particular excerpts I want to share with you. Quote, neutralizing antibodies elicited by vaccine are much lower when compared to natural infection. And it says this difference, by the way, is most prevalent when it comes to uh, to the Delta variant. It goes on to say in its conclusion, quote, The authors also evaluated neutralizing antibody levels against variants of concern. The percentage of detectable neutralizing antibodies in individuals vaccinated with CoronaVac was found to be lowest compared to naturally infected individuals. What this study up for peer review of the Chinese vaccination program is showing is that... The old-fashioned immunity is the superior immunity. And with every ensuing variant, especially most especially the Delta variety, it loses increasing efficacy ground up against natural immunity. Also, I want to share with you this piece of data. Sweden right now, only about a third of the population of Sweden is fully vaccinated. Only about a third. We have told you before, and of course, by now, you know, this was the least locked down country in the civilized world. One of the least masked countries in the civilized world. Only a third of the nation is fully vaccinated. Uh, Sweden has not reached double figures in daily COVID deaths as a country. That's almost 11 million people. They've not even reached 10 daily deaths with COVID since June 10th. That's 40 days ago. Smoldering ash update. Yes, that's a country of almost 11 million, least masked country in the West, least locked down country maybe in the world, 
only one third of its population fully vaccinated. Sweden has not reached 10 daily deaths with COVID. And they code even more liberally over there than we do here, by the way, a COVID death. They have not reached 10 since June 10th. That's 40 days ago. If you look at Sweden's trend line, by the way, it was this time last year that we thought they had hit herd immunity because they had very similar numbers last year to what we're seeing this year. That's strong arguments, both for natural herd immunity thresholds, but also seasonality. Why does seasonality matter? Because that takes you from a pandemic to an endemic. And it also shows that essentially the virus, as Alex Berenson likes to say, is good a virus. The wind blows where it blows. That our mitigation efforts to contain an airborne contagion don't contain it at all. They just contain us. And maybe that's their unstated purpose. Who knows? But if it's to contain the virus, seasonality is going to seasonality. Some more data uh, that I want to share with you out of the UK. In the past 10 weeks, the case fatality rate in the UK, now they are weeks ahead of us, by the way, on the Delta variant cycle. We're now, our CDC is now saying that the vast majority of cases in this country are Delta variant. They reached that threshold in the UK several weeks ago. The case fatality rate in the UK is now 0.1% over the last 10 weeks as it's been raging with the Delta variant. Now, here's why this matters to us. Uh, This is a heavily locked down country. Now, while Sweden is one of the least locked down countries, the UK, one of the worst. It just reopened on the 19th. That's Monday is when the country reopened. So one of the most heavily locked down countries just reopened. Therefore, you could probably at least assume on some level an overall low level of natural immunity. Is that probably anecdotally, at least implicitly fair? Sure. Okay. But it's also, however, folks, one of the most vaccinated This would seem to indicate, now cases are exploding in the UK. Yet at the same time, the CFR is declining. Given its likely low levels of natural immunity built in and its heavy vaccination ratio, this certainly seems to, just as Sweden provides us some real time, maybe as far as explicit, at the very least implicit data, affirming a premise in favor of herd immunity thresholds and seasonality, the UK would seem to provide us the same when it comes to COVID vaccination as an effective mitigation against deaths. Because this is not a high natural immunity country. This is not India, which went, ended up at the, which ended up going full bore into ivermectin in several of its most populous states and then saw huge declines and is now suing the people at the WHO that told them not to use it and threatening them with the death penalty. They don't, they're not doing ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine over there either. I mean, the UK is following our COVID, is following the COVID stand playbook, man, that they've been trying to shove down our throat. They're, throw, they're following it to the syllable. So again, I just follow data. I'm here to tell you what I think the truth is. I'm not here to promote a particular narrative. And when I am, we have segments for it. We call it Theology Thursday, right? We're just following data. That's what we're doing here on this show. All right, here's some more data that I want to share with you. I want to go back to what Alex Berenson uh, tweeted out about the CDC has now doubled from 6,000 to 12,313 deaths with vaccine from the COVID vaccine. 
if we're going to say and just if we're not going to specify now, well, we're not going to count comorbidities or any of that. And we're just going to give us whole cloth numbers of death with COVID. Then again, the same standard has to apply with the vaccine. I'm okay if we don't do that with COVID and we don't do that with the vaccine. I'm okay with it. But you can't do that with the with the COVID and then not do it with the vaccine or vice versa. So we're going to follow the same process. If we're just going to lump all deaths in as deaths with COVID all the same and give us one big number to glom onto, which is over 600,000 right now, then, we're, then on our show, we're going to do the same thing with the vaccines. We're not going to provide distinctions for one and not for the other. We'll do distinctions for both or neither, but not one or the other. So it's 12,313 deaths from the COVID vaccine by the by the template that we're given with COVID deaths from the disease. Fair? Yes. Okay. If you do the math on this, now in the United States, about 279,000 people have died with COVID so far in 2021. That is 0.84% of the total population. Looking at the CDC's latest claims, and yes, I am aware of the 10-year-old Harvard study that showed only about 1% one to 10% of actual vaccine incidents get reported at the VAERS site. I am aware of that. That study is also 10 years old. I think it's likely no longer relevant because I think there's so much more public awareness about the COVID vaccines. Do I still think the number is, 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 is higher than what is reported? Yes. Do I believe it's 10 times less than what we are one, 10 to a hundred times less? No. I don't because I just think there's too much more awareness now and they're pushing it on both sides. So that's why I don't cite that Harvard study you all send me all the time about underreported VAERS numbers. I think it's outdated. I think the premise of it is solid, but I'm not comfortable applying that pre- pre- that precedent to this outbreak, which has re- received more media coverage than anything in our lifetimes from a health perspective, or at least since AIDS. Is that fair too? Yes. Okay. So again, I, I get, I, and I don't have to cook the books. Just... Give the give the give the mercy triumphing over judgment gets us enough truth as it is. Okay, so if you look at what the CDC now claims for vaccination deaths, that is that would come out to 0.0036 percent of the people who have gotten COVID vaccines in America have died. Now, while the odds of dying from either one of these things are pretty remote, looking at both of those numbers right now, it is you still have two thousand percent higher odds based on these numbers of dying with COVID. Then you do the COVID vaccine. However, we do not have stratified COVID vaccine death data. And we know that our COVID death data is extremely stratified by age. The current median age for death with COVID in America is 79. The average COVID death in America has two plus morbidities, many of them as many as four. So what is the median age for COVID vaccine death? That's something to consider when when your schools are trying, your colleges are trying to make you inject your children. See, we don't know that, okay? We don't know what the average death of a COVID vaccine is because that gets into your calculus as a parent about whether to chance it with your children or not, and we don't know that. Well, the one thing we do know, and Phil Kerfin has said it over and over again, you are safer as an unvaccinated child than you are as yes. a vaccinated CDC's only data, oh, oh, CDC's all CDC's data shows only 335 people under the age of 17 have, have, have perished as a result of COVID-19, okay? So that goes to what you're talking about, yes, all right? That's why we need to know the stratified data of the COVID vaccination deaths. How many of them are in their 20s, 30s, teenagers? We don't know that. Because that's what that would give us a true measure of the danger up against our stratified COVID death data. Um, and then I want to tackle a talking point that I think 
you're going to hear more of. Okay. But we're running close to the break and I want to make, I want to make sure I've got time. So we're going to, we're going to extend this into the next segment too, if you guys are okay with this, because I want to get you guys' reaction to this as well. Let me also tell you this. If you are anti-vax like Todd is, I, I, I can't even argue with you at this stage with how this whole thing has been managed. They are, they are at this point, our own vaccination program and media is the greatest anti-vax evangelist that, you know, Robert Kennedy wished he would have thought of some of these talking points 10 years ago. However, if you're not in, in, in that camp yet, waiting to see if data shows if experimental technology makes the juice worth the jab, doesn't make one anti-vax any more than thinking it was wrong to have more people than the population of Spain on food stamps during the Obama presidency makes you a racist. Anybody making such a claim, all they did was just show you their sheeple card. That, that's all that they did. I want to make sure that that is stated very plainly. All right, when we come back, there's two more pieces of data that I want to share with you because they, 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 they perfectly address the policy debate around vaccination and how this thing is being further politicized, as we just heard during Aaron's montage from the Biden White House itself. I want to address that before we get to buy, sell, or hold, and we'll do so here in a moment. So it's been a couple of weeks since I've been around for the dog's feeding time. So I was the guy who fed him this morning. So I thought, you know what, man, I just want to make sure I'm still saying the same thing. Okay. I'm, that what I'm saying is true. So I'm going to make sure we put the rough greens in the dog's dish when I put his food together this morning. And I just want to see the reaction. And guys, I go to feed the dog. I mix the rough greens in. I put his dish down. I go sit down at my computer to start getting prepped for the show and getting up to date on everything. It's just the dog and I that are up. Noah is at uh, in you know a workout thing, an off season workout thing at, at Des Moines Christian. That his mom is there, you know, while waiting for him. And so Zoe's asleep upstairs still. Uh, it's just me and the dog that are up, and it's just all the only sound you hear is me typing away, you know. All of a sudden, there's a loud crash over where the dog eats, and I look over. It's because the dog was so intent on licking every aspect of his bowl that he put his mouth in there so far that it, he knocked the bowl out of its, out of you know what holds it, what holds it up for him. I is, is that a good endorsement? I think so. And then I look over and he's like smacking his lips. That's a pretty good endorsement. Okay, now maybe you're you're thinking, hey, my dog could use a, a supplement that puts all the good stuff back in his food that the stores, uh, they, they or that the producers take out before they get to the store. You know, those vitamins, minerals, nutrients, et cetera, but it can't possibly taste that good for my pet. One way to find out, call our bluff. We'll just give you the first 14-day jumpstart back for free. When you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, for roughgreens.com. The first bag is on us. You just pay for the shipping. That'll be just a couple of bucks, but the bag itself is free at Rough Greens, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com, or you can give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. 
There's a couple of more data points I think I want to that you need to to be enlightened with and absorb and have at the ready. So forgive me, we're going to cut into buy, sell, or hold time, uh, but I, I just think this is vitally important in equipping you to be prepared for what is to come and is already here. The vaccination debate now has gone full, is, is, is fully weaponized from a partisan perspective. The White House is, is attempting to create a narrative to explain why they could not completely get COVID under control as they promised they would last year during the election. And, um, and the, and the narrative is going to be, you're going to get, uh, Goldstein's you're going to, you're going to get snowballed here. It's uh, it's conservative media and the people that don't think for themselves, which I find fascinating because on one end, um, the, the, that it, you're told it's the people that want to vote for Trump that are the least likely to get vaccinated. That There is some truth to that, by the way. But it's, again, it's far more diverse. Um, uh, black and Hispanics who don't overwhelmingly vote Donald Trump, um, they are the least, they're also amongst the group least likely to get vaccinated too. But their explanation for that would be racism or something, right? So... I mean, they couldn't possibly think for themselves and have their own skepticisms. So there is, but there is some truth to that. But what's ironic is, I mean, Trump treats this as like the greatest accomplishment of his presidency. So on one hand, you want to say all these Trump voters are all, you know, single-celled rubes who just wait for marching orders for him, from him. And then on the other hand, though, you want to blame them for being the reason that we didn't hit 70% vaccinations by the 4th of July and we have a Delta variant. Um, by the way, that's not true. Uh, like I pointed out, the Delta variant, the UK was weeks ahead of us on the Delta variant and they're well ahead of us in vaccination too. So it, it, that's not what's happening. It's not unvaccinated people creating uh, variants. In fact, if you think the virus is not of natural origin, as I do not, it might actually end up being more true that the opposite is true, which explains why with every ensuing variant, the efficacy goes down from an infection standpoint. But I'll leave that here for now. Um... Back to the point I was making a minute ago, though. So on one hand, these Trump voters don't want to get vaccinated. They're all single-celled, zombified rubes just waiting for Trump to give them marching orders like a Pied Piper, right? But then on the other hand, they're to blame for why we haven't hit the vaccination threshold by defying Trump, who views this as the greatest achievement of his presidency. How can those things both be true, right? Right. uh, Here's what I can tell you. I spent all of last year, uh, not all, the vast majority of last year criticizing Donald Trump and his COVID policy. My show grew two to 300%. I can tell you that. And, and, and guys, it wasn't because every Naomi Wolf in America was tuning in. That's, that's not why. How is Naomi, by the way? Yeah, I haven't I've seen her for been, a while. It has been a few weeks <laughs> since I've talked to her actually. So, this thing is getting fully weaponized politically now. You can tell by Mitch McConnell and Steve Scalise's comments. Cocaine Mitch 
Everybody get vaccinated. Take the root and branch right up your arm. All right. Uh, and Steve Scalise um, now getting vaccinated and telling everybody to do so. The consultants are concerned that they will get pinged for being the reason that the country uh, didn't reach the right vaccination threshold. But the polling data says the exact opposite. We had this yesterday for you at this time. I want to quantify it for you further. I, I mentioned when we had Mark Meckler from Convention of States who paid for the polling from Trafalgar Group on vaccination mandates. That 71% of Americans are opposed. Tw- only 22% of Americans are for. By the way, if you want that broken down by party, only 7% of Republicans are for forced vaccinations. Sixty per, Almost 60% of Democrats are against them. So, I mean, this isn't even that popular in the Democrat base. In the Republican base, you might as just name yourself Barack. Okay, I mean, if you're going to go for that, go down that road. I mean, you're just, I mean, you're, I mean, they look, they're going to look at you like you needed killing next election. Okay, I mean, that's just, that's dead on arrival, man. Um, but here's the thing. I, I mentioned to Mark that I just did some cursory research, and I thought that this would end up about as unpopular as the TARP bailouts that spawned the Tea Party. I was wrong. It's even more unpopular than the TARP bailouts that spawned the Tea Party. 71 to 22 is a minus 49, net unfavorable. In our day and age of, of political polarization, folks, it's very hard to create any favorable or unfavorable with a net that high because we're so polarized. The TARP bailouts that spawned the Tea Party, they were a net favorable, unfavorable, according to Gallup in 2008, of minus 45. That margin was 67% opposed, 22% favorable. So forced vaccination with COVID vaccines is even less popular than the TARP bailouts that took John McCain from leading the real clear politics polling average before he shut his campaign down to bail out the country and save it. It took him to getting Molly from first in the polls to getting Molly whopped on election day and spawned the Tea Party. Think there was a little bit of a reverb to that? Yep. Yeah, there's even more of a reverb growing to this. And here's the thing this is more personal because. You're angry that they sent the check to Lehman Brothers and not to you, right? But it's not the same as they they went to your house and said, "Hey, will you write this check out of your own out of your own till to Lehman Brothers for us?" Then it gets real personal, yeah. right? No, this is we're going to actually do this to you. We're not going to do this instead of doing it to you, which upset you know you want to bail out instead of Lehman Brothers and who, who knows who else, right? Um, no, we're going to do the jab to you. So if we're already at this level of frustration and and backlash to this before they were even to attempt to impose it, you would be talking about like whiskey boxer rebellion level of animus. Now we're going back a ways. Okay. You're you're talking in, in modern times, something we've not probably seen this level of, of resistance or, um, uh, opposition to. And if you want to know what does democracy look like when you don't have, quote unquote, democracy, where I know we're not a democracy, you can save your emails. But if you want to know what democracy looks like without God and guns, look at France. They just passed vaccine passports yesterday. But in response to the riots, they did get rid of the prison sentences and just went with hefty fines instead. So 
They patted you on the head. A talking point I think you're going to hear as this becomes further weaponized politically is they're going to attempt, and I've seen this a little bit already, so I want to head it off at the pass and help you with it right now. The idea that we've set the precedent with forced vaccination in the past with smallpox. We did. It was heavily controversial, by the way. But just so you know, smallpox, smallpox, we have record of smallpox, folks, going back to like the Sumerians, like thousands of years, like the earliest enclaves of recorded written human history. We have an evidence of smallpox. It raged on this planet. It is one of the worst killers in the history of our species, in the history of creation, smallpox is. At the time it was fully eradicated, it still had a case fatality rate of 30%. The initial vaccine, in fact, the very first vaccine ever was for smallpox, 1796 in England. At the time we eradicated it, it could still create, an out with an outbreak, a CFR of 30%. If we look at the UK's COVID variant CFR, and we compare it to what this, we have no idea what the case fatality rate for smallpox was in, the, in 800 BC, the 1200s. We don't know. They, they wouldn't know what a case fatality rate was in 1148. But at the time we eradicated it, its case fatality rate was 30%. Folks, that's 15,000% more dangerous than COVID-19's Delta variant. 15,000%. The threat levels just simply aren't anywhere near commiserate. I'm not one that believes that there's never going to be a time that you get to completely and fully abscond yourself from any form of mandate on a health level. Precisely because I don't believe in perfect outcomes. We live in a fallen world. I don't know what my position would have been on forced smallpox vaccination in 1812. I might have had a different position given how much more lethal it was. Hundreds of thousands per year for centuries were wiped out by smallpox at a time the population of the world is nothing compared to what it is now. We, the day may come that a threat may emerge where this debate is worthy of actually having, in my opinion. I hope that day never comes, but we're not guaranteed that in a fallen world. But I can promise you this, COVID-19 is not that day. Not to mention, we're using experimental tech vaccination technology that is still unproven, even, if it, even in its own efficacy, as a ratio with side effects at the exact same time. All right, let me stop there, because I've gone on for uh, longer than I intended to. I want to get you guys' thoughts. I've, I've laid down a lot of railroad tracks here, so by all means, saddle up. Well, it's all the sadder when you realize that, yes, it's not that day. Regarding uh, COVID, but it never was. And we knew that going all the way back to March and April of 2020. We knew it then, too. We know it, I mean, indefatigably uh, now in um, in many ways. But you still, as uh, Steve and Scott Atlas have said, you, you needed to just forget about all of the history of immunology to pretend that this was going to be Captain Trips. 
Listen, I, I, I have people, uh, God bless all of you, uh, private messaging uh, me on, on some level. So I know if you're doing it to me, how, how often you must be doing it to Steve, but still talk about like you're, you're, you're ready, willing, and waiting to go speak to your uh, school board, but can, can we help you with some of the details? I, listen, folks, you just got to rip off the bandaid. You got to go. If you've been watching this show for this last year and a half, you know about that. You have enough. Uh, and we, we can't help with each one of you individually. Just get out there and do it. Don't make it more complicated than it is. Keep it to three talking points and go with it. You only have three to five minutes to talk at these places anyways. You'll be fine. I promise you. Here's what you really need to know. The cult has been found out on every level. They've been found out on COVID. They've been found out on CRT. They've been found out on gender. That only means they're going to cult even harder now because that's what cults do they didn't get into the game of culting just to say yeah my bad that's why they are now aap doubling down on masks they're gonna try this fall on all this stuff they're gonna shut down the schools again unless you fight and it can't be that thing with the pitcher's mound where you throw an inside fastball and almost always you see uh the hitter come out and get all the way to that mound and then a little slap fight ensues no it needs to be nolan ryan Robbie Ventura. Oh, you're going to come out, son? You meet them halfway, and you beat the piss out of them. That's how we do. That's it right now. Now, that's an analogy, and I almost wore the Nolan Ryan throwback today, too. Now you're you're speaking my love language now. Aaron? Boy, I don't know how to follow that. That was... That was fantastic, and it's absolutely true. And I, I told you during the break that putting these conversations, all of this... The world seemingly losing its mind, acting against its own, and and I'm not talking about governments here, I'm talking about vast populations of people, in the West in particular, who are acting against their own best interests in the long run, because we think that our own best interest is, hey, we get to be, to to some degree, kind of the the determiners of our own fate. We we get to take risks that we want to, because that's what liberty, in, in some respects, means. No, that's not what they see it as, though. Putting these conversations in the frame of utilitarian, uh, I'm sorry, uh, utopian, I should say, (laughs) Freudian slip, utopian outcomes, perfect outcomes, that really helps make a lot more sense. If this virus was really the result of, I don't know, an experimental vaccine under development that was, um, I don't know, aimed at maybe getting out front of the next pandemic, that's a utility, or I'm sorry, again, with a Freudian st- slip, that's a utopian outcome. That's a utopian view of the world, that we are guaranteed no risk, no perfect outcomes. And that makes a lot more of what we're seeing make a lot more sense, and it should prepare you for what's coming next and maybe urge you to go out to war. We will finally play buy, sell, or hold as we kick off Hour 2 here next. With Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. And then, of course, there's all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Just look for Steve Dace there. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're wanting to look for clips of the show that you can watch for free, but are also uncensored by big tech. Go to rumble.com 
slash Steve Dace Show as well. That's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Uh, if you're a podcast listener, thank you. We're looking for you to maybe uh, hit that subscribe or follow button. Uh, depending on which podcast platform you utilize, they might have different words for that there. You can also give us a five-star review because the more of you that do that, the more you take part in helping the show's explosive growth to continue, which is why we want to thank the thousands of you that have done this for us already and and urge those that have not maybe to continue uh, and uh, not do that and instead uh, continue with doing the five-star review. Uh, we would appreciate all of that. Thank you very much. Let's get to one of our favorite segments each and every week at the bottom of the hour. We'll be joined by the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. Sorry, I just got distracted by a, an ad for Olive Garden. Just popped up on screen as I was telling people to give us a five-star review, and I'm recalling I've not been there in a while, and it looked really good. So I apologize for the distraction. It happens. It happens. Um, Daniel Horowitz, weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, will be here at the bottom of the hour. Buy, sell, or hold is brought to you by Omega XL. If you are struggling with pain of the chronic variety, and we're not talking about injury, if you've got an injury, go get it treated. But if you have pain of the chronic variety, stiffness, soreness, achiness that just won't go away, chances are that's a result of too much inflammation in the body. If you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory that's backed by 35 years of clinical research and that I can personally attest to its effectiveness because it's a product that I use each and every day as well, then you're looking for Omega XL. And if you want to try it right now, they've got buy one bottle. And they'll give you the second one for free. Buy one, get one free when you order at OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Again, head over to OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or you can just give them a call at 800-844-4888. Again, that's 800-844-4888. And now, of course, it is time for one of our most popular segments each and every week. Buy, sell, or hold, Aaron, with a lot of help from his friends, will present to you and me, Todd, a series of statements, predictions, prophecies, lists, what have you, uh, and then you and I will decide, are we going to buy that? Are we selling that? Do we have maybe a good reason why? Um, And then once per episode, um, we have the option of hitting a hold, but if it's for any reason other than, wow, that is just really so lame, I don't want anything to do with it. If it's for any reason other than that, then you've actually got to figure out how to make Anthony Fauci's hand stop shaking when he's lying. There will be no holds today. Okay, there you go. Aaron. Next store first. Alexander Rogers says at least half of the algorithm conservatives will eventually become Harvey Two-Face. They'll big tech long enough to see themselves become the villain. I think bye. I think this is in the eye of the beholder. For those of you that don't know the term algorithm conservative, and we didn't come up with it. Maybe this guy did, actually. Um, we just we started seeing it show up in our feed from individuals like this. The idea that if you're wondering why some of your some of the conservative outlets or personalities that you enjoy the most on certain issues just tend to be extraordinarily weak. When I say weak, I don't mean wrong, like you disagree with their take, but like the takes they are giving are anemic. You're like, dude, I I could take your take apart pretty easily. So, I mean, do you even believe that? All right. So weakness is different than wrong. I mean, we're wrong all the time. We're humans, right? Okay. But why they're weak 
it's because they have a business model that relies heavily on social media monetization. And there's always one or two topics that are toxic to your big tech overlords that they don't want them addressed because they most directly challenge their narratives at the time. And, and so these personalities or outlets tend to shy away from addressing those topics or they do so in a really milquetoasty in fashion while they're going to the mattresses like on everything else. And that's what makes it so noticeable because they're going to the mattresses on everything else. And there's like these one, two or three topics that they're just beyond milk toasty on, yeah. right? That's what we mean by algorithm conservative. They're trying to avoid the, the landmines that trigger the algorithms that get their pages demonetized that, or accounts. That's what it means. The, the issue with this, though, is that I think a lot of this is in the eye of the beholder. And, and I don't know that we have any evidence yet that shows anyone's taken a real hit for going down this road. We've seen people rewarded for not doing it. I think our show has been rewarded for not doing it, for not caring. And, and, and remember, I was tempted with Karen about some, there was a juncture last year. I don't remember even when it was. I think I even said on the air, we may have to look at the way we're doing things. And then I think I came in the next day and realized, what in the hell am I doing here? That's not yeah. who we are at all. And we just said, screw that noise, right? So, I mean, this is a huge temptation for everyone in our business. But I don't, I, I've seen evidence that us abandoning that and not going down that road has rewarded us from an audience standpoint. But I don't see any evidence that anybody's been hurt by staying on that road yet. So I'm going to sell until I see that. I'm buying because this is what I'm talking about. With I'm adding on a layer to what you're talking about. But why this is more possible than ever is because of the magical thinking of vaccines and science in general. You, you, all, you have all kinds of people that are uh, espouse our worldview, but when it comes to that part, of it, they, they, they absolutely don't, don't. I don't want to be seen as a flat earther. The, and they suspend mm -hmm. much or most of their critical thinking skills that got them to the place that they got to on almost every other issue. But on this one, you see all manner of people who are genuinely brave and will be one man uh, you know, there'll be Leonidas fight and his mighty uh, uh, 300 fighting the whole Persian horde. But when it comes to vaccinations and, and science in general, they wilt. And so that's why right now this proposition has as good of odds of happening as any other time. Uh, I've got one for, for both of y'all. Um, there is a better chance that Dr. Anthony Fauci will be prosecuted by Merrick Garland and this DOJ than uh, he would be if... Bill Barr was still running the DOJ. Oh, I'll buy that. I think you... Because I think we yeah. went from... I mean, it might be from zero to one percent, but I'll... Just the way... By the way, that's the way partisan politics works in general. Okay, George W. Bush does Medicare Part D, and it's, uh, it's, it's compassionate conservatism. If Bill Clinton does it, it's socialism, right? Bill Clinton does three strikes and you're out, welfare reform and Defense of Marriage Act, and Hey, that's brilliant triangulation with your liberal base and 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 America's you know socially conservative but big government uh, middle ground, right? George W. Bush or Donald Trump does those does those three things. They're a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigot, right? So I mean, if 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 Joe Biden would have done the first step program or criminal justice deform, as Daniel calls it, 
Everybody in, in our line of work right now would be losing their damn minds over this, okay? But Donald Trump did it, and so no one other than a few people really know how to address it or what to say because, and what was the net gain? Trump got one net point of black votes for doing this or something, right? So that's the, that's the way that it works, is that in general, you are able to push your base more to the direction of the opposition than the opposition is in general able to push their own, Right. Correct. So I could absolutely see this being the case. But keep in mind, though, those odds are remote. They just go from like zero to like 1%. Yeah, agreed. Next up, we'll go to Craig, who says there will be a major, and he defines major as dead Americans, a major military conflict between the U.S., China, Russia, or North Korea before the next presidential election. I'm going to sell... And the reason I'm going to sell is because I think it's, I think these enemies would view it as an unnecessary risk on their part. Why, why would they risk their own human capital, their own weaponry, their own people when they're getting what, would I, what, what, what I would assume would be the stated result of such a conflict already happening in real time, which is the the globe the weakening of the global standing and strength of, of, of the projected strength of the United States. I, I they're already getting that, and we're weakening ourselves on on every conceivable level. I I don't see what the point is. In, in fact, I think that that could that could backlash. Actually, I, I think that could create whatever strain of Americana unity remains coming right out and putting a face and a flag and everything on it. Uh, I think, I don't think we, I don't think we're capable of a post nine 11 response as a people right now, but whatever would be our, our, our cape the closest we could get. I, I kind of wonder if this would produce that. Right. As opposed to just stand back Buy off the NBA, buy off Hollywood. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. they're, they're getting what they want yes. anyway. We're devouring ourselves as a people as right. it is. Let, let that happen. But also, I'm selling for a different reason. You're also uh, late to this game. The military incursion already happened. That's what this was. Whether it was intentionally from the get-go or not. Steve, can you remind me who took over the Wuhan lab? The head of the Chinese bioweapons There program. it is. Yeah. Uh, this this was a military, uh, at, at the very least, a psyop. Because once it was out, this thing was militarized for maximum gain by the Chinese. At, at the very least, I believe. They, they only put an individual like that in charge of that lab so that he could report to them if, if they would have uncovered any form of a scientific or medical breakthrough that he thought could potentially be weaponized. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason to do it. Next, we'll go to uh, Hunter Lucas. Mount Rushmore of superhero, mov uh, superhero movie trilogies. Number one, Christian Bale's Batman. I mean, it's all by itself. Christopher Nolan's tr superhero trilogy. I mean, it kind of just stands alone, doesn't I mean, it? I think so, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just introduced my 13-year-old to 13-year-old uh, nephew to those first two movies in that trilogy. He was captivated. Uh, number two, Captain America. So we're going with Captain America, the first Avenger, the Winter Soldier, mm -hmm. and then Civil War, right? Yep. Those are pretty good. Those yeah. are that's pretty good. I'm okay with that being number two. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Number three, Iron Man. 
I'm, I'm just going to be a no on this. I, I think Iron Man 3 is an abomination. And I think Iron Man 2 is just an okay film. I, I think that they whiffed on the villain in both cases. The first is they just didn't make him, com the first time in Iron Man 2, they just didn't make him compelling enough whiplash. The third is they tried some kind of a troll and outsmarted themselves to the point that they had to make an apology short film. A few years later, the backlash was so great. And now they're going to make a whole film with him as the villain here that comes out in a few weeks. So I'm going to be a no on that. Uh, I will I will buy. It's just Robert Downey Jr. never mails it in. He's just fantastic all the time. I mean, the, he is fantastic all the time. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Number four, Thor. What are the other underrated if we're down choice? To Thor at number four, though. What are our other choices for a trilogy? So, what are we missing for like a superhero trilogy? Yeah. yeah. You could have had, you know, there was even though they had different actors, they well they weren't even a trilogy. There was a fourth film with George Clooney as Batman, but you would have the two Michael Keaton Batmans and the Val Kilmer Batman yeah. Forever, which I think is an underrated movie actually. What about Superman? Superman, I was actually going to include that because I think the first two are phenomenal. Yeah. The third one, even though it's not a great film, uh, Richard Pryor is actually pretty good in the film. That's the one where he's like yeah. the computer programmer. But the first two, which were filmed, and this was revolutionary at the time, uh, Superman 1 and 2 were filmed pretty much at the exact same time. And then there was a there was a fallout with the director, Richard Donner, who just passed away. And so they brought another director in uh, to kind of reshoot some of that movie, but a lot, still a lot of what Donner shot is still in Superman too. But um, I think the first two films are so good. I think it's the inverse of Iron Man, where I love the first film, the second film's okay, the third film you're like, um, what is this? I think the first two Superman films are really good, and even if you think the third one's not that good, it still has some pretty good moments with Richard Pryor. So I've got to put that in there for me. Yeah, I'd have no problem with. Superman and the original Batman four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, we just rewatched going through the Marvel films last year during mm -hmm. lockdown. I mean, I love the first Thor film. I thought Thor, the dark world was not, was better on second viewing oh, than I, I remembered in the theaters. Oh yeah. And I think it's better than both Iron Man two and three, by the way. Um, and I, and you guys know, I, I friggin' love Thor Ragnarok. I love the film. I love. I love. It's funny. I love the vibe. I love the music. I love the movie. I think it's just almost flawless. Watch that again uh, last week, and it gets better. It gets better on repeat viewings as mm -hmm. well. Uh, next, we'll go to Ray Pyle. The best historic Big Ten versus Pac-12 matchup in college football is Washington versus Michigan. Oh, I think he had to sell on that. I think it's probably gotta be like Michigan and USC. I mean, that was the very first Rose Bowl. Um, it could even be Ohio State and USC. But I gotta sell on on it being Michigan and Washington. I gotta sell on that. I'm selling just because I'm I'm taking the field. I don't that doesn't ring true. It's just obvious in any way. Next, Grant Johnson, top five most quotable movies of the last thirty years. Five stepbrothers. I gotta sell. It's okay, but I mean, I, I've not spent a lot of my time over the last how long? Thirty years. Thirty years. Oh, then I, that's a hard sell. Come shout, on, man. Shout out to my brother. I know he thinks that's hilarious. I haven't even seen it's it. Okay. It's okay. I haven't it's, seen it's it. It's okay. Yeah. Number four, Napoleon Dynamite. I'm in on that. I'm I'm so in. I love the film. The last thirty years, sell. Number three, Forrest Gump. 
buy. I'm okay with that too. I'll buy on that. Yeah. Number two, Wedding Crashers. I don't know if I've even ever seen it, or if I have, I barely remember it. So I got to sell on that. Number one, The Hangover. I think I've only seen the Tyson scene in this film. I don't really know the rest of it. Lord of the Rings. None of the Lord of the Rings yeah. on this list. That's, yeah. That's, that's not good. The, yeah, this list is just too... If you Comedies. did a subgenre yeah. thing, I could have... Right. But right. yeah, right. not... Yeah. You need to broaden, yeah. spread the wings a little bit. Next, Heather says... Another Mount Rushmore. All-time movie villains. Principal Rooney and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So All time? <laughs> like, forever? Yeah, I know. Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sell too. More, more politely than, than Todd just did. Uh, Dr. Evil. I, I, you know what? I wouldn't, I'm okay with that one. I'm okay with that one. I mean, okay. he carried like three or four films. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. It wouldn't be like on my list, but I'm not like offended or, or oh. mystified like I was by the first choice. I see what she's doing here. Again, we're in a subgenre. So this time I'm just going to accept whether I'm going to put you in a subgenre just so I can take this seriously, I will buy <laughs> President Business League. <laughs> this See, is the most random list that we've ever featured. <laughs> we'll move on. Yeah, President Business is kind of redeemed, as I recall. Did, yeah, right. Did it say Penguins of Madagascar? <laughs> That's they're fantastic. I love those movies. Um, critical Acer uh, says uh, Mike Pence is less likely to be on the 2024 GOP ticket than Kanye West. Buy from I'll your buy. lips to God ears. Uh, I'll buy on that. Yeah, I'm a buy. Uh, Adam says, what a growing number of Christ followers think to be empathy is nothing more than acceptance of the spirit of the age. Bye. Oh, that's a great yep. take. And, yep. and here's what's sad about it is, I, as we've talked about, I've said this on the show in the past few years, I think that other than critical thinking, I think the number one thing lacking in our culture right now is empathy. You know? And the institution that is uniquely positioned to model what a proper and rightful understanding of that I think has often conflated it with exactly what Adam just said which is um, just accepting of the spirit of the age being okay with it or being it's not my problem kind of a you know dismissiveness with it so I think that's a great take Adam next up Jeff Townsend the most useless statistic in sports is the distance a home run ball is traveled. Um, I don't know. I mean, every time I hit one on MLB The Show, I like to know how far it goes. <laughs> okay, so I don't know that it's completely, I wouldn't say it's the most useless stat ever. Um, I might say the most useless stat ever nowadays might be time of possession in football. Uh, given, That's a good point. Given the way the game has evolved offensively. Okay, I might say it's that. Actually, by yeah. the way, congrats on your Milwaukee Bucks last night. By the way, look, I'll take it just because Giannis is a cool dude. I am um, like I, I I can't I'm that guy. I can't just jump on the bandwagon because I'm not an NBA fan, and I I can't even we couldn't even watch the games here, man, because of that stupid Channel Five thing. Is ABC? Is, oh, is that off of your cable news now? Because I was I, oh, it was on my right. Direct TV. It's been now. off forever. Really? Back. So it's not on Mediacom? You, you need no. to get YouTube. I didn't know that. You got to get YouTube TV. Okay. Mm. Wow. Um, Better get that fixed before football season here, yeah. bro. Mm. Sean okay. Griffith says, everybody sucks and I hate everything. I think you're, you're probably better off. Um, I'll buy. You might be better off starting from that premise in this day and age. And then, yeah. and then, and then working can. your way off of it 
when when events present themselves to say it's not justified. But then we can't do our our Friday overtimes if we believe this. The it's best just the, of the worst, week and worst. It's just the worst, the worst and the worst, and the worst of the, the week. Of, no, yeah, no, I gotta true. sell. You know what? Even though there's plenty of times, brother, I I share your sentiment. Yes. From a worldview standpoint, I just I have to reject that level of nihilism as as fundamentally tem- as tempted as I am by it. <laughs> so I will sell, even though I'm feeling you, dog. Sherlock Sproul says, as a whole, the Mission Impossible series of movies is better than the James Bond series. I will listen. I will. I will buy those. The, but n- don't diminish James Bond for how long it's done what it's done. And even if you look back, I mean, there's there's a a Roger Moore skiing scene, which is so ridic- ridiculous when they show the close up because it's just him in like goggles doing this and this. <laughs> but but come on, those are cl- they're classics. They're they're absolute classics. So I would ultimately I will simply say that the the, the bar was very very high and set by James Bond. And believe it or not, Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible, in my estimation. Keep serving up fun stuff that also yeah. is brought everything in in terms of how you film a movie and the craft. Yep, but it's not diminishing. I one think day. I agree with everything you just said. I, I'm I would buy the proposition, and even though I'm not a huge James Bond fan, only because I just think there's been too many of these movies, mm-hmm. you know, and too many of them that are cheesy. But I completely understand and recognize the legacy and and what it means. And the careers that it has spawned and things of that nature. So I think we can give this take with that we can agree without diminishing the legacy of the Bond movie series. So I'm with you. Next, uh, Chuck Gregory says, blue states go back to lockdowns this fall. Red states remain open. Bye. I will sell. I, I don't think you will see lockdowns by and large again. I don't think that there is almost any, uh, any appetite for it um, in the country. Now that everybody has been granted and restored their freedom again, I, I certainly could see more people attempt more counties and blue areas to do what L.A. County is trying to do right now with a ridiculous mask mandate, despite 69 percent of its 16 plus aged population being vaccinated. That I could see in some isolated areas, but I, I don't believe we're going to see in blue states anything resembling a lockdown like what we saw uh, last year, they may even call it that, and it might be some kind of a curfew or something. But the idea of a stay-at-home order and things of that nature, I, I don't think we'll see those anymore. There's just, I don't sense there's any appetite for them whatsoever. Next, now this one is interesting. Bacon says Rand Paul will get Fauci to admit he ordered the mm, code red. I like the way you have framed this, and and you see how viciously. Maybe that's not the right word. Vociferously, let's let's go with a different V word. Fauci, um, let's say, defends or obfuscates. Mm-hmm. This is not necessarily now. He might be a sociopath, but there is still somewhat of a conscience there. If you catch my drift, so the catharsis. If he knows he did something wrong, then I think this is. If he really believes he did something wrong, or is a chance that he did something wrong. I think the odds that this is a buy go way up. What's your answer on this? Mm, I'm I'm trying. My default wants to say buy, and I can't think of a reason right now to talk my way out of it. If there's yeah, if, if there's enough time, 
and Fauci, see that you, but Fauci would have to keep putting himself in this position, which and maybe I guess he doesn't need to anymore because if this if Rand follows through on whatever he's going to follow through on submitting, uh, regarding Fauci, Fauci may have no choice in the matter. I'll buy. I'm going to sell because I think you're dealing with a pure sociopath. I'm going to, I'm going to sell. I don't, I don't, and I don't even think that it's, it's, it's the, it's the Colonel Jessup character who just had an unchecked level of authority and it, it, it corrupted and tainted his valor. Okay. That's the character that Nicholson yeah. plays in the yeah. movie. I think we're just dealing with a, a complete construct of the spirit of the age. So I'm going to sell. Next one, Todd says, three hardest positions to play in sports. Number three, and it's in order, MLB catcher. That is probably an underrated position in terms of... It's underrated. Is it tougher than being a pitcher? That's no, the thing. I, I, I was going to sell. Okay, I'm going to sell on that. Fun position to play, though. I've played a lot of it, but I will sell. The next two, I think, are are very worthy number, of being on the list. Sorry, number two, NHL goaltender. Yeah, I'm fine with that being on the list. I won't argue against it. I'm not a hockey guy through and through, and so much of this almost, from my point of view, it almost seems to have, like, the hot goaltender, it almost seems to have a superstitious quality to it. But I can't. I, I'm not in a position to argue against it. And number one, NFL quarterback. I'll definitely go with that. I, I think this deserves to be on the list. I think that that is an overrated um, concept. Now it's been evaluated. More and more of the rules are in favor of guaranteeing. Uh, a quarterback's success now than ever before. Now offenses are more complicated, but I, I just think that we're getting we're going a little too far. They're not really like solving a Rubik's cube, uh, like in five seconds on every single time. We just need to. I don't slow disagree, I don't disagree with that, but I also don't know that what position I would choose in a sport that is harder. I think your analysis of how the game has evolved to be pro offense is true and the statistics and the data all bears that out. But I just don't know what position then therefore I would have take its place. Meaning that the position may not be as hard as it was 10 or 20 years ago. That still doesn't mean it's still not the hardest position in the game right now at the same time. Well, there's a lot of other factors to being hard. I would say being in left tackle is extremely difficult in a number of ways. Yeah, well, they're all difficult. Yeah, they all. They that, all that's are. my point. Yeah. That's yeah. just like, they all are. Yeah. Uh, finally, Goodfellow Forty Nine says BuzzFeed is a more reputable news source than Fox News minus Tucker Carlson. What I, is BuzzFeed? BuzzFeed. I, I don't know that I would go that far, but again, I'm feeling you. Okay. It's more reputable than the Washington Post. Yeah. I. Yeah. Um. There are, it's, it's better than some quote unquote conservative media outlets, for example. Um, but I wouldn't go that far. Okay. I wouldn't go that far, but I would prefer to err on the side that I disagree with you on than on the other, if that makes sense. So I, I, I like the way you're moving. I just, you're, you're, 
You're a little too far for me, so I'm going to sell. Here's another way. Um, Five times an uh, an albino armadillo reminded us why capitalism sucks is more reputable than anything written at the New York Times. Buy, sell, or hold. I'll buy that. Yeah, I'll buy that. Bye. (laughs) That's it for buy, sell, or hold. Did you have a buy or did you buy have a buy or sell on the BuzzFeed Fox equivalency? Well, I would. before a couple of days ago, I would have been on your side, but uh, I had to watch Sean Hannity demand I get vaccinated. So no, gosh, I can't. I, he's, yeah. he's 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 the he's, one star in our business who I don't get his stardom. I don't get where people see. I don't think he's likable. I don't think he's that deep. I don't think he's that smart. I know. I I just I don't understand. Like he's the one major star in our business. I have no idea how he is as successful as he is. I, I can't pinpoint it. Daniel Horowitz will join us next. So many things we've learned in the last year and a half about our healthcare system, our sick care system, our public health officials. You know, one of the things we have learned is to take preventative health measures more seriously when it comes to your personal health. Put more of your own health uh, in your own hands than you possibly can, because it's pretty clear, as we learned with COVID, that uh, let's just completely disregard ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, uh, you know, everything we've ever learned about respiratory viruses, and uh, just uh, self-isolate if you test positive until we have some new cutting-edge pharmaceuticals that are $5,000 a dose or some new vaccines that we are going to learn their efficacy and and side effects in real time. There's nothing else we can do for you. And everything else we've learned about uh, medicine and um, and, and immunology and virology and biology for the last few hundred years is just a forfeit. That's why when you get a simple little product, like our friends over at Field of Greens, just just to make sure you've got the right amount of vitamins, minerals, uh, fruits, and vegetables in your daily intake, uh, take advantage of that because it can make all the difference. Field of Greens, uh, unlike other superfoods, has real USDA organic fruits and vegetables, up to 18 of them clinically researched, packed into just one scoop. You mix it in with any water-based drink, put it together, and there you go. You're going to get in that one serving probably more fruits and vegetables and the good stuff from the fruits and the vegetables than most Americans will get in a day, if not longer, sadly. If you want to give it a shot, they have some new flavors as well, wild berry and lemon lime, uh, not just uh, the good old uh, green machine that they were most known for. So if you want to give this a shot right now, use my name, Steve, at checkout to get 15% off your first order. When you go to BrickHouseSteve.com, use the offer code Steve for your first order, 15% off when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com. Let's bring in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? We're doing all right, Steve. I got brand new data here just on you here in Maryland. 174% of new hospitalizations are people that listen to the Steve Day show. And a couple of them, their they're dying words on the ventilator were, I should have never tuned into that show had I only followed Scott Gottlieb on Twitter. I would have been healthy. They, they, clearly, you're making a reference to this story, this fake story out of Alabama, I think it is, right? Is that what you're talking about? There's a few of them. <laughs> yeah, there's a few of them. You know what? Let's. I want to switch gears because I spent the first hour of the show really drilling down on uh, yay and nay, all the, the, all the best vaccination data I have from around the world, all the latest studies and everything else. 
I want to go in. So I think our audience is pretty well schooled on that from the first hour. Okay. I want to go to a topic that for the last several years, you have certainly run point on, and that is crime. I want you to pretend I am Donald Trump. And I'm getting geared up for, it's going to be a coronation, not a primary. I'm going to run for president again. And you are given 10 minutes alone with me to talk about the First Step Act, my crime messaging, what's gone on in blue cities. I, I saw Trump said yesterday, one of the biggest regrets of his presidency is he should have gone ahead and sent the military into the cities last year like we wanted him to, for example. Okay. So if you had 10 minutes alone with me to make your crime pitch about my crime policies and how they conflict often with my crime messaging, what would you say? Aside from cheating, Trump's biggest problem he has electorally are suburban white voters, suburban white women, um, although there is some evidence he lost more with men last time. And here's the deal, the Donald. Do you really think you're going to win back those voters by letting out rapists and drug traffickers and uh, people that have firearms violations? To me, a message of locking up gun felons would be the biggest winning message you could ever imagine. You know, there's this new poll out um, that surveyed kind of the divide on a bunch of issues, a bunch of different issues plaguing America. And what was amazing is there was an irrevocable divide on every issue. We know that. You know, you, you look at COVID, um, Democrats think it's the worst thing around. Republicans don't really, you know, they're not really concerned about it. Um, you know, you look at climate change, same thing. Obviously, it's in reverse for censorship or China, where Republicans think it's a huge problem and Democrats obviously don't. But when you go on to the issue of crime, it is near the top for for everyone, but it is the most prominent with black voters. Hmm. The way to win back suburban voters and also if there's a chance to make inroads in the black vote is to get tough on gangs, crime, and lock them up, lock up the criminals. Um, in Atlanta, just fresh data I published, 94% of all shooting victims for the first five months of this year in Atlanta were black. Nearly every single homicide last year, homicide victim um, in a year where they saw the most homicides in 20 years was black. Um, do you think you are going to appeal to the George Floyd fa families? Is that the black vote you're going to get? Or are you going to get the, to the extent it's gettable more of the black vote like Michelle Cummings, the Cummings family? And where this really comes full circle, I talk about in an article I published recently um, close to where I am in Annapolis, this Houston couple, they were black. They came to Annapolis to see their son off to induction date at the Naval Academy. Very proud of their son. He was going to play football there. And the mother sitting at a hotel there, and it's not even a bad area, was killed by a stray bullet from a guy that had three gun felony convictions hmm. and then two recent gun arrests plus drugs and several other things fighting with a cop on top of that. And he was let go without any bail on a 
ankle bracelet, cut off the ankle bracelet, and, and the ankle bracelet is the crux of criminal justice reform to, to use probation instead of incarceration, cut it off two months prior, but it's a joke. They couldn't find him for two months, and this woman's life is now lost. Michelle Cummings, say her name. Um, the, the, the talking points write themselves, Steve. They write themselves. Um, this is killing more blacks than COVID, than anything, than cops, than white people. Uh, it is the worst it has ever been. Lock up the gangbangers. Lock up the career violent criminals. I have an, uh, uh, an agenda of about 10 items for the Georgia legislature, but it applies really in every state. You could single-handedly realign American politics on that issue alone. It's the gift that keeps giving. It's something that everyone believes in. Um this the, the criminal justice reform thing, the Heritage Foundation conservatives are to the left of your average reliable Democrat on this issue. You don't have this much, Steve, in, in the political world, but you have this among the general population. It's reflected still slightly among the prosecutors. There's this woman, Fannie Willis, who just defeated a Soros prosecutor in November in Atlanta. She's a Democrat. She's total Democrat. She's even going after Trump on something. She wants to prosecute things in a tougher way in Georgia than Georgia Republicans want to push in the legislature. Hmm. So so reconcile that with, again, I'm Donald Trump. Reconcile that with my previous messaging and, and, and my advocacy of the First Step Act and calling the 1994 crime bill racist and things of that nature. Reconcile my first term with what you just said in obtaining a second one. It's irreconcilable, and he would have to come clean and just say, look, you know, we were told that we're locking up a bunch of low-level, nonviolent, what is it, first-time, I think that's the trope, non-level, uh, first-time, nonviolent uh, offenders, and it turned out it's not true. What's driving the numbers is um, – Obviously, high-level repeat offenders, nothing is happening to them. Nobody serves any time anymore. Um, I would also note COVID. People don't forget, don't realize, and I think, Steve, this is a, a good um, point to merge the two big issues of our day. When we talk about the unimaginable cascading effects of death, like you know, drug overdoses, different things from lockdowns and panic, we're going to have death from murder and mayhem. Do you know why, Steve? We have, just in King County at Seattle, Washington alone, we have 3,000 violent criminal cases pending in Superior Court there, 400 sexual assaults, 250 murders, and if they don't get to them soon, they will be dismissed. Mm. People don't realize it's not just the release from jail. It's There's a number of new murders, robbers, rape, whatever – it's they're not being prosecuted because we locked down the court system too for a while. So there's a massive backlog in that. Um, the prison population, the the I'm sorry, the incarceration population has dropped almost 25% just over COVID. And that was preceded by, depending on the state, three to five to seven years worth of existing declines from from jailbreak policies so that pendulum has swung so far the other way that even if you're weak on crime a blind man could see what's going on so you would make the case to him then that living up to his original 2016 campaign language on this could be the key to unlocking for him a second term as president 
and particularly ha- uh, proposing mandatory 30-year sentences for those convicted of serious felonies who are then caught with a firearm or committing a crime so with a firearm. So you flip the flip the premise the the, the gun right language premise on. right back on them and say we're going to actually come after people who illegally own guns and then use them for for violent crime even harder than you are. Exactly. Basically the story of every major city in America certainly where I live maybe not so much in Iowa but where I live are juvenile carjackers that um, they don't just illegally carry the gun. They kind of like assault someone with the gun, mm-hmm. and that's a low-level crime. They they get off, they get deferred judgment, um, and then they rack up two or three more of them before you even have the trial on the first one. We have a Vietnam War veteran, also someone who is black, that was just killed in a carjacking in Chicago by such an individual that had that exact profile. That is the story. We are not enforcing the laws against gun felons. So in other words, as long as you have a criminal record and you assault someone with the gun in these big blue cities, but some red states too, then it's totally open carry. Mm. I mean, it has shocked me how Republicans have not crushed the left on that point. But the problem is they so badly hate prison. They hate incarceration. They so badly don't want to add to those numbers um, that they will not message it. And, and and look, what greater infrastructure project than building prisons? Build the prisons. We need a lot more of them. Anything else you would say to him to kind of draw you to, to drive your point home, uh, you know, to kind of conclude your overall perspective on this? Yeah. So now that we identified the, the policy, well, personnel is policy. So if you're going to run again, you need to actually hire people that are in the prosecution world, not uh, Jerome Smith, who was his top jailbreak guy, who recently wrote an op-ed co-authored with that drug trafficker, Alice in Wonderland, whatever her name is, Alice, the the drug trafficker they let out from Tennessee, um, noting how all the people they let out on COVID jailbreak should remain out of prison. Um, And and they didn't cap it to nonviolent offenders, by the way. Um, you know, Steve, the, the, the reality is if you legalized firearms, drugs, and every single crime under the sun except for four, murder, rape, aggravated assault, and robbery, and you had a 100% clearance rate on them, you know, isn't that something we would all mm-hmm. want to strive for, dream for, to s- solve every one of those cases, land a conviction, and incarcerate them? the prison population would swell on that alone. Wow. We have a crime problem, and until we deter that with stronger measures, you're going to have the worst of all worlds. You're going to have to incarcerate and have more crime anyway. Mm. Good stuff, and that's the key thing, because the paradigm right now is we have an incarceration problem, not a crime problem. So you're flipping the paradigm on that as well. Good stuff, Daniel. Thanks as always, man. Take care. See you later. You bet. Uh, Daniel brought to you by realestateagentsitrust.com. You know, trying to sell your home can be difficult, can be challenging, even in the best of economic environments, but in these unprecedented times. Bing. Make sure. <laughs> he added a close up there. <laughs>
<laughs> nice. Make sure you go in with a real estate agent that you can trust, someone who will come in, take charge of your situation, while also, though, remembering that you are ultimately the one that is in charge here. It is your life, your home, or the home you want to have yours, any, either way. Uh, and where would you find such an agent, including one that not only does that, but has a proven track record of success along with that? Why, the name kind of says it all. Head over to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com, started by Glenn Beck and his associates, so you know you trust them. And they also want you to be able to trust these agents. That's why they're listed at realestateagentsitrust.com. Any final thoughts on the program or on the conversation that Daniel and I just had? Yeah, uh, my thought to everything Daniel said, uh, amen, which is a pretty awkward segue to the fact that in the overtime, we're going to be talking about defunding the FBI. Well, that that's because we're pro-law enforcement. Out. Yeah. Ouch. Aaron. Yeah. Um, this with with any other issue, it's it's the the premise is always accepted of the left. If it's not accepted by us, it's accepted by most of the people representing us in Washington. The premise that we have an incarceration problem instead of a crime problem. Now, in a in a culture that is uh, so far gone as ours. Perhaps under judgment, is it any surprise that we have a crime problem? No, it's not. But the spirit of the age is not going to admit that. So they say, well, obviously, it's not a crime problem. It's an incarceration problem. They do that. They run that same playbook back on nearly every single issue. And nearly every single issue, when their premise is accepted, whether or not they might win on their premise at the, at the ballot box, on every single issue, once their premise is accepted, they end up winning or taking ground on those issues. And I think this is no different, and God bless Daniel for for going to the mattresses on this, just like uh, p- pretty much everything he does, but it's, it's an issue that needs more attention. Are you buying that Trump did better with white women than white men? No. You're not? No. I'm tr- no. And, and Daniel is citing that that's one of the nuggets in the Pew voter 2020 voter file survey. Is that Trump performed, actually lost, what is it, like 12 points of white men or something like that. And that's basically why he lost the election. Edison, I think it's like four points. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I can believe it's a lot closer than people think, but I don't think I can go all the way there. I was going to ask you to give me the composite of the white male who Trump lost. Mm, And then I'm like, don't. Yeah. Don't. Oh, no. That's something uh, to compare it to. I can go there. Names I, yeah, come to mind. Yeah, yeah. I just that that, that would be depressing. And, like, exactly. We end up incarcerated. Yes, indeed. John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.